Welcome to another edition of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the award-winning show covering fishing, hunting, conservation, destinations, and other outdoors recreation across the greater Northwest. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lur, Sportsman's Warehouse, Sina Sea Seafood, Wallowa County Chamber of Commerce, and the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. And now, let's see what's happening this week with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. The first one, by the way, recorded from my new studio and my new home out in the Columbia Basin of eastern Washington, right across the road from Pothole State Park and just a mile down the road from Mardon Resort. Definitely in my happy place right now. Speaking of happy, I was very happy to learn that we placed first and second in the audio category for both radio broadcasts and podcasts during the Northwest Outdoor Writer Association's Excellence in Craft Contest that they have every year. And we're going to play those two award-winning interviews for you today. One of the guests is Paul Weimer. You'll hear from him in just a few minutes. He is a fly fishing guide, and he also wrote a book called Favorite Flies for Yellowstone National Park. And we're going to talk all about fishing in the waters of Yellowstone National Park for trout and more. And I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation. Our judges certainly did. We're also talking to Cyrene Nagakiri. She also wrote a book. She lives in Forks, Washington. And the book she wrote is The Disabled Hiker's Guide to Western Washington and Western Oregon. She has compiled all sorts of adventures for people with limited mobility. And we'll air that conversation later in the show. We also had our first in-studio guest. That is longtime guide Shelby Ross, the owner of Ross Outdoor Adventures. And the topic this week is going to be summertime walleye fishing, not just here at Potholes Reservoir, but all over the Northwest. Techniques that Shelby will use to catch walleye, whether it be here in Washington State or at Fort Peck Reservoir in Northeast Montana. Speaking of... Fort Peck Reservoir, the Montana Governor's Cup is wrapping up this weekend, Saturday to be exact. And if you are out there fishing and tuning into our show from KATQ out of Plentywood, here's wishing you luck on the water today. Hope you get a bunch of walleye and some big ones too. As always, Bob Loomis will be joining us for an extended Max Minute. This week the topic is catching saltwater salmon and... I'm afraid I'm going to be sharing a rant about my telephone company, which, as of this recording, still doesn't have a working phone line for me, and we've been trying to do this since June 22nd. I'm not happy, and if you stick around towards the end of the show, I'll tell you exactly what company I'm dealing with, or at least trying to deal with. Throw in our Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week, and as always, we've got a great show coming at you. And we're going to start things off the way we always do. That would be with another edition of Sportsman Spotlight with David Sparks, brought to you every week by the Ag Information Network of the West. I guess I shouldn't be surprised by the fact that Washington State Fish and Game seems to be doing a very good job in the area of conservation. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. Washington State Fish and Game has a very vigilant wildlife biologist who is also an adamant and extremely skilled hunter. Amy Spoon is a wildlife biologist for Fish and Game, avid big game hunter, waterfowl hunter, and crazy about fishing. She grew up with a dad who showed her the way, and she also grew up out near the Olympic Peninsula, where there's lots of room to be an outdoors person. She is vigilant in terms of making sure that they don't, in the words of Joni Mitchell, take paradise and put up a parking lot. Here she is explaining her duties. I'm an area habitat biologist. 
And so generally what I do is uh, in Washington State, if anybody plans on doing any work in or near the water, anything defined as waters of the state, you have to obtain a permit through Fish and Wildlife. And so I get those applications and go out and look at projects and make sure that what they're going to do isn't going to impact fish habitat or fish life and then issue those permits and follow up and make sure that everything was done according to plans, and if any mitigation needs to be done, then then we work through that process as well. A true outdoors person who practices what she preaches. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. It's been popping up in orchards and vineyards all over. Any origin theory scholars? Oh, hey, yeah, it's Sevia fungicide from BASF, a category leader in disease control. How do you explain these healthy crops? Well, longer-lasting residual. Plus, it's built for current regulatory standards and prepared for what's to come, which improves crop marketing flexibility, so... A fungicide that is out of this world? I knew it. Sevia fungicide from BASF. Or is it... Always read and follow link directions. Smart stays on the road. That's why it's in your engine. Because you wouldn't settle for subpar performance. Cenex Maxtron synthetic diesel engine oils give you the smartest oil for the toughest conditions. These premium oils maintain 80% of their viscosity throughout the drain interval for superior engine performance across extreme temperatures. That horizon looks good with the competition behind you. Cenex Maxtron diesel engine oils. Oil that runs smart. Did you know we actually have a sponsorship opportunity available for this show? That's right. You can be a sponsor of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, reaching thousands of listeners every week, tuning in to 69 stations in seven states. If you have a business that caters to outdoors enthusiasts, this is the platform for you, and you're going to find it's much more affordable than you think. Contact me through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com, and let's get a conversation started. That's northwesternoutdoors.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter, full of the gear you need to succeed this hunting season. Firearms, ammo, archery equipment, decoys, clothing, boots, and more. Find a location near you or shop online today at sportsmans.com. I'm going to take you fishing, honey. You're going to love it. Going to get up before the sun. Rise above us. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. If you like to cast a fly for trout, one place that you probably would love to go to, if you haven't already, is Yellowstone National Park. It has an abundance of trout there, all sorts of different species, too. We're talking everything from rainbows to cutthroat to brown trout to brook trout and even lake trout. And with us here to tell you about fishing Yellowstone National Park is Paul Weimer. He is a fly fishing guide from Paradise Valley. Montana, and he is also the author of a new book, Favorite Flies for Yellowstone National Park, published by Stackpole Books. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. So first things first, nice book. Really like this. You got not only information about fishing in Yellowstone National Park, but lots of great color photography. It's a hardback book, and you've got 50 different fly patterns. How long did it take you to put this together? <laughs> well, thank you very much for those kind words, John. You know, I, it took me about a year to, to get the book done, I would say. Well, it turned out just great. And I think if folks buy this book and buy some of the flies that are in here, they're going to do quite well. But before we get into some of the flies, let's talk about fishing at Yellowstone National Park. There are certain rules and regulations you need to know before you drop a line in there, isn't there? Yellowstone has a, a relatively short 
fly fishing season compared to many places around the country where you can fish year-round these days doesn't open until the Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, and then it, it closes in November. So a lot of that is due to the weather and the difficulty of getting places. There are a bunch of other regulations that are somewhat unique. You're not allowed to use felt-soled wading shoes. You have to wear rubber-bottom shoes. That's protecting the ecosystem. You're not allowed to use lead split shot or any kind of sinkers or have lead incorporated into your fly patterns. It all has to be tungsten or brass, something like that. And again, that's because of protecting the ecosystem. Other animals ingest lead, and it's certainly not good for them. All your flies in Yellowstone National Park have to have their either be barbless or they have to have their barbs mashed down. That's for protecting the fish so you don't tear their mouths up. Uh, most people release the fish in Yellowstone National Park. Some places the fish all have to be released. Some places, by law, you have to kill some of the fish, depending on where you are, and that's to protect native species. You're not allowed to fish articulated patterns. Those have become very popular these days. The streamers that incorporate two hooks. Your flies need to be single hook only. Let's talk that's about the fish that are in Yellowstone National Park. I mentioned a whole bunch of different trout species, but what fish are actually native to Yellowstone National Park? Sure. The only fish that are native, there's two kinds of trout. There's the appropriately named Yellowstone cutthroat trout. They're the predominant cutthroat species in Yellowstone. But there's also a population of West Slope cutthroat trout that are found predominantly in the, the Madison River drainage. In addition to those, you have whitefish which are fun to catch, and there's a lot of those guys in certain places. And then grayling. There aren't a lot of grayling in the park. The, when the trout were stocked years and years ago, they pretty much outcompeted most of the grayling fisheries. But the biologists are working to restore some of those, and there are certainly places you can go and catch a grayling. Well, it's funny you mention that. When I was in Yellowstone a couple of years ago, I actually hiked into Grebe Lake looking to do just that. Didn't catch awesome. any grayling, did hook up with a few cutthroat, but no grayling for me. And as for the whitefish, I really liked what you put in the book. You're very right that a lot of fly anglers, a lot of fishermen in general, look down on whitefish, but <laughs> I'm with you. I think they're fun to catch. They get up to some decent sizes, and they're they're scrappy fighters. They sure are. I, they're salmonids, which means they're related to trout and grayling. You know, they're not some trash fish fish that people seem to sometimes call them. I, and I don't know a fishing guide who, who doesn't like whitefish. So sometimes whitefish can help save a day that can be otherwise difficult. It certainly did for me on my first guided trip on the Yellowstone. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the different flies you have in the book. And several of them were designed by a man named Matt Minch. Tell me about Matt and a couple of his flies that he designed. Sure. Matt Minch is a pretty neat guy. He, he's, he used to tie a lot of flies based out of Gardner, Montana, and he would provide a whole bunch of them for Parks Fly Shop, uh, which is one of the oldest fly shops here. And I actually learned of Matt Minch through talking with Richard Parks. He's the owner of Parks Fly Shop. Matt Minch, my favorite pattern is actually the first one I put in the book, a fly he called the Jaffe Jewel. It's a little marrow, marabou-winged streamer. It's named after a little lake called Jaffe Lake that's not too far from Mammoth. It looks more like a pond, really, but it's full and full of brook trout. They don't get very big, but there's tons of them, and they're very cooperative. And Matt designed this fly to work there. The reason it spoke to me so much the, the first time I saw it was that it's exactly the same type of fly that my father first learned to tie in the 1970s and the first fly that he taught me to tie. Uh, so I grew up in Pennsylvania. We were designing those flies to catch brook trout. 
And I just think it's really cool that somebody in Yellowstone was designing flies to catch brook trout about the same time, you know, thousands of miles apart to catch the exact same trout species. And, and it works both places. You know, it's, it's uh, funny you mentioned your dad because a couple of flies in your book are ones that my father loved to fish. The elk hair caddis <laughs> and the spruce fly. I hadn't thought of the spruce fly for probably 30, 40 years. <laughs> for sure. It's making a comeback. Why don't you explain to our listeners who don't know, and there's probably a lot who don't, what a spruce fly is and what it's best used for. Sure. A spruce fly is a, an old school streamer. Before we, we started putting rabbit strips and, and big zonker things and, and creating these giant flies that moved a lot, they, people used feathers to create feather wing streamers. It has some badger hackles across the back of it. It's got a little peacock curl on it. Uh, it's tied on a really long hook. And these days, you know, uh, people predominantly use it in the Madison drainage. They swing the fly, you know, rather than strip it, they're casting it out and letting the fly line belly and being pulled down through the currents for the fish that are running up out of the lakes. Last question for you, or I guess last series of questions here. There's a lot of rivers in Yellowstone National Park. What ones do you guide in the park and around the park? Sure. I predominantly guide the Gardner River, Slough Creek, Sotheby Creek, and the Lamar River. And are you targeting cutthroat or other species on those streams? Mostly cutthroat. There are some cutbows, which is a rainbow trout cutthroat hybrid. Most of the places there in the Lamar and Slough Creek drainages, by law, if you catch a purebred rainbow or an identifiable cutbow, you have to kill the fish. And the reason they're doing that is, if not, the pure cutthroat species that have been here since ice ages, they're going to be interbred out of existence. So they're trying to protect those fish. You know, it's so funny. The best intentions of fish biologists back in the day <laughs> to introduce rainbows and lake trout and brook trout and all the unintended consequences that have followed. It's really true. I was just reading an old book by a famous fly fisherman, Joe Brooks, who was a legend in the 50s. And, and in his book, he was extolling the virtues of cut bows and health, saying that they're better than cutthroat trout and rainbows combined. And, and now we're working to, to eliminate those fish. You know, it, it was done with good intentions. Like you said, it was done with the intentions of creating sport fishing opportunities for people. But they really didn't have any idea what they would do to the ecosystem down the line. Well, folks, we got to go, but if you want to pick up a great book about fly fishing in Yellowstone National Park, pick up Favorite Flies for Yellowstone National Park, 50 Essential Patterns from Local Experts by Paul Weimer. It's published by Stackpole Books. You can buy it through Amazon.com and just about anywhere else that you can find these kind of books. And if you want to book a fly fishing trip with Paul, just go to his website. You will find that at weimerflyfishing.com that's w-e-a-m-e-r weimerflyfishing.com paul congrats on the book and thanks for sharing all this with us today on northwestern outdoors radio thank you so much john it was great being on with you it's 
Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. Did you know we actually have a sponsorship opportunity available for this show? You can be a sponsor of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, reaching thousands of listeners every week, tuning into 69 stations in seven states. Contact me through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com and let's get a conversation started. That's northwesternoutdoors.com. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio and to an extended Max Minute, brought to you by Max Lure. It's time for another Max Minute, and it's time to talk saltwater salmon fishing. It's definitely that time of year, whether you're after Chinook or Coho. With us here to help you rig up for some of these fish is Bob Loomis with Max Lure. Bob, welcome back. Thank you, John. So there are anglers spread out from Tillamook Bay, north of there along the Oregon coast, and all through Washington, right into the sound that are looking to catch some salmon what do you have to help them hook up well john you know one of my favorite things to do early in the season is getting out there and trying to find obviously the chinooks and the silvers out in the salt water and my favorite setup is using our scent flash uv triangle flasher which you can fill with scent and you know the triangle flasher just rotates so it's not imparting any movement on the gear so you got to fish something behind it that has its own movement. And I absolutely love fishing the wiggle hoochie. And that large wiggle hoochie, you know, has its own movement. It moves like a crankbait in the water, and it's very, very erratic movement as you're trolling. So putting that behind that triangle dodger with the scent is just phenomenal out in the salt. Now, I'm guessing you would not attach, like, any anchovy strips or anything like that to the lure because it's going to impact the wiggle. No, you know, when you start adding a little strip of meat or something like that to it, it's not going to deter that much from it. You know, if you're putting something heavy on there, yes, it will. But putting a, a, a fillet of anchovy or a fillet of herring or something like that on there, it's not going to deter from it. Okay, so lay off the cut plug herring, but go ahead and go for a little slice, and you'll be just fine. Again, it's the Wiggle Hoochie, designed for saltwater salmon. Fish it right behind the Max Scent Flash Triangle Flasher and you will be in business. Look for these items at sporting goods stores near you or online anytime at maxlure.com. Game changing. That's the best way to describe the new Scent Flash UV Triangle Flasher from Max Lure Company. This 360 degree rotational inline flasher features a scent release system attracting salmon to the lure behind it like no other flasher on the market. Soak the free scent pad with any type of oil or gel, or load up the cavity with any type of bait for fishing success beyond your wildest dreams. It's the Scent Flash UV Triangle Flasher, only from Max Lure Company. 
Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. Natural wonders, beaches and coves, majestic forests and scenic vistas are waiting for you at the Tillamook Coast. Lace up your hiking boots, grab your camera and come to Northwest Oregon. Find out more at TillamookCoast.com. back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Siren Nagakiri on the line. She is a first-time author, and she has come out with a fantastic book that I really think a lot of folks are going to enjoy. It's from Falcon Guides. It's the Disabled Hiker's Guide to Western Washington and Oregon. It's all about outdoor adventures accessible by car, wheelchair, and on foot. Siren, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, first things first, congratulations. I wrote a guidebook back in the day. I'll just say your guidebook's a lot better than mine was. It's really well put together. <laughs> I like the color maps. I like the, the elevation gain graphs that you have inside. I like the trail descriptions, and I like the photos. It's just a really good hiking guidebook. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, Falcon Guides was really great to work with. Well, they are one of the best, that's for sure. So congrats again on that. You're not only a book author, you are also the founder of a nonprofit called Disabled Hikers. What led you to found this group and to write this book? That's right, yeah. So I grew up with multiple disabilities and chronic illnesses myself and always loved being outside and enjoying nature. But as soon as I learned about hiking, I started trying to figure out what that meant for me, what my body could do in the outdoors, who else was doing this, and just encountered barrier after barrier and a lack of information and people who just didn't really understand disability and what it was that I needed to be in the outdoors. So I was doing you know, lots of research about trails to figure out where I could hike and just wasn't finding the information that I needed. So I moved up to the Olympic Peninsula in uh, November of 2017 and was out, you know, trying to experience this beautiful place and started out on a trail that I had kind of familiar with the trail system already, but not this particular segment of the trail. And I started out and immediately encountered lots of obstacles and barriers that weren't listed in any of the information that I read, like, you know, steep drop-offs and rocky slopes and things like that, and was just really getting increasingly tired and in pain from this experience and just stopped at a waterfall and inspiration struck in that moment. And I said, why don't I do something about this? And I went home and, you know, wrote a blog and a trail guide and put it up on a website and Disabled Hikers kind of started from there. Well, I think you've done a valuable service for a lot of folks out there that, like you, enjoy the outdoors, but are perhaps mobility impaired or just don't have the stamina to, to do a lot of the hikes that they would like to do. And this really fits the bill when it comes to Western Washington and Western Oregon, all through both states. Let's talk about a couple of the, the hikes that are in here. And I guess we'll start off on the Olympic Peninsula, the area you call home. Uh, what's one that you really enjoy? 
Yeah, so I really enjoy the uh, Quinault Rainforest Loop Trail that's in the book. That one really offers, I think, a, a great variety of, you know, what you will experience on the Olympic Peninsula, you know, the temperate rainforest and old growth trees and creeks and waterfalls and the lake is stunning. So that's one of my favorite places here. Now, you rate your hikes by spoons. Why don't you explain what that's all about? Yes. So the spoon rating is based on an understanding of spoon theory, which is kind of a metaphor created by Christine Miserando that represents the limited energy that a lot of disabled and chronically ill people have and the energy rationing that we have to do. So every activity requires a certain number of spoons and then you deduct that from kind of your daily spoon allotment. So I kind of transferred that into a difficulty rating for the trails to try to be really as objective as possible about you know, what these ratings mean for each trail. Let's head to Washington's Cascades. The very first hike in your book, Picture Lake, that's a one-spoon hike, and it's perfectly suitable for people that are wheelchair-bound, isn't it? It is, yes. It's very wheelchair accessible. It's entirely paved around the lake and offers some really nice uh, boardwalks and overlooks of the lake with the mountain rising above it. It's very lovely. Heading down towards Oregon, you have quite a few hikes and, well, not just hikes, but just uh, overlooks and places to check out along the coast. What's a couple that stand out for you? One of my favorites is the Old Grove Cedar Preserve in Rockaway Beach. That's a really nice elevated boardwalk that travels through the coastal forest there and ends at this giant, huge, old-growth western red cedar that is hundreds of years old, and it's one of the only ones remaining on the coast. So it's a really special place. Wow. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And I noticed you put down one of my favorite places to visit, the Yaquina Head Natural Area, too. Yeah, so I really love that location, you know, being able to be there on the cliff, just overlooking the ocean and the lighthouse and watching the birds is just really stunning. And you get to see some really cool birds there, folks. In fact, uh, when I was there with my family, we actually saw a peregrine falcon, which you don't see too many of those, and lots of marine life right offshore, too. Lots of seals and sea lions. It's definitely a spectacular area. Heading inland into western Oregon, any hikes that stand out? I notice you do have quite a few waterfall experiences. I do, yeah. I love the drive along the waterfall, scenic highway, and all the waterfalls along there. So, you know, I have like Wolf Creek Falls and Tokatee Falls. Those are two really popular locations. And, you know, they're not the most accessible place, but we do provide, you know, really good information about that so that folks who are able to hike on foot can have really good information about those trails. How many hikes and adventures are in the book altogether? There's about 60 altogether. There's 46 numbered hikes, but many of them include multiple options and viewpoints and overlooks. So there's about 60 opportunities in the book. Well, do one of these a week and you're going to be occupied for a whole year plus. Let's talk a little bit about your group, Disabled Hikers. You actually lead group hikes around the Northwest, don't you? I do, yes. So tell me how people get involved with that. So you can find us online on disabledhikers.com. Uh, we're also, you know, on Instagram and Facebook primarily. We have a Facebook group for people to connect as well. And, you know, I always post about event listings on our website and social media so that people can, can find us and you can sign up to the newsletter as well. Do you have a hard time doing these hikes? I mean, you're out in Forks on the Olympic Peninsula, which is not an easy place to operate from in terms of being accessible to a lot of people in a hurry. Right. I travel a lot. I spend a lot of time on the road, for sure. 
Gotcha. Well, again, what you've done here, I think, is an incredible service to a lot of people, both the group you have founded, Disabled Hikers, and folks, the website for that one, disabledhikers.com. That's the website, disabledhikers.com. And is the Facebook page just Disabled Hikers? It is, yes. (laughs) Okay. And again, the book. This is really a must-have for anyone who is limited in terms of exploring our trails and wants to do so in Western Washington, Oregon. It's the Disabled Hiker's Guide to Western Washington and Oregon. It's published by Falcon Guides. You can buy it just about anywhere you can buy a book. It's brand new, but it's in stores now. So check this out. Buy a copy, either for yourself, because you don't have to be disabled to enjoy these hikes. Anybody can enjoy these hikes. Or buy it as a gift for a friend that will be able to use it as well. Siren, congratulations again, and thank you so much for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thank you so much. This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at Cena Sea Seafoods. That's the company that delivers delicious, wild-caught Alaskan seafood right to your door. Everything from Copper River sockeye salmon to halibut to sablefish and even king crab legs. Better still, they are offering a 10% discount to our listeners. If you want to take advantage of that, go to SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com, and put in the promo code OUTDOORSRADIO. Once you do that, you get 10% off your entire order. The website again, SinaSea.com, and the promo code for 10% off, OUTDOORSRADIO. Come to Oregon's Wallowa County for outdoors adventure. Hike, ride, paddle, fish, or sightsee to your heart's content. And then visit one of our wonderful towns, whether it be Joseph with its beautiful bronze statues, our county seat in Enterprise, or one of our charming small towns like Wallowa, Imnaha, or Troy, where you can eat, shop, and sleep before continuing your adventure the next day. Plan your visit now at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program, and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure 9 inches or longer. The fish are worth 6 8 or $10, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth 500 bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We are broadcasting from our new studio right across the road from Pothole State Park, about a mile down the road from my favorite place, Mardon Resort at the south end of Potholes Reservoir. And we've got the local premier walleye guide with us. That would be my old friend Shelby Ross, the owner of Ross Outdoor Adventure. Shelby, great to have you in studio. John, always great to be with you. So let's talk about the the recent walleye fishing this summer at Potholes Reservoir. How's it been? You know, it it got warm so early. Our water temperatures spiked early, and it sped up the uh, spawn of all of the species of fish. 
And generally that slows our bite because there's billions of bait fish for them to eat. And there are billions of bait fish, but we're still having pretty decent walleye catches. So we'll, uh, we'll take it considering the weather. So with the hot weather, conventional wisdom would be that that would drive the walleye deep. Is that what's happening or not? There are a few fish a little bit deeper. Traditionally, you know, in a lot of places, 50, 60, 70 feet of water is is where they would slide. What happens here is after a few weeks of 100 degree temperatures, there's very little oxygen below 10 foot of water. And so nothing can live down there. So they are not deep on Potholes Reservoir in the heat of summer. So are you finding them in creek channels or exactly where? We are finding them just uh, connected to the weed line. They are stuck on the weed edge. That's where the bait fish are. And so wherever the food is is where the walleye are just around the world. Now, you're a pro guide for Max Lure. I know you favor their products quite a bit. How are you catching these fish? We are catching them pulling slow death and slow bet to slow death with a small smile blade are the two best uh, producers right now. And I presume a bottom bouncer in that shallow of water, I'm guessing you don't need a whole lot of weight. No, you don't. So the the conventional wisdom was one ounce of weight per 10 foot of uh, water depth. And I tend to cheat that on the heavy side just so you can feel the bottom better. So we're fishing an ounce and a half to two ounces, depending on where you're sitting in the boat. Heavier weight to the front of the boat. What kind of speed? One to 1.2. And color? Motor oil. Interesting. Or, or UV glow burst. And UV glow burst seems to be the new universal anywhere you go, it will produce fish. Why is that? It's just got that right flash. All right, fair enough. So let's extend the conversation beyond Potholes Reservoir because you fish for walleye in a lot of places, including Lake Roosevelt and Banks Lake. You've even fished out at Fort Peck Reservoir in Montana where the Governor's Cup is going on this weekend. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about how you approach fishing at these different types of reservoirs in the heat of summer? So one of my favorites is at Banks Lake during the heat of summer fishing uh, suspended walleye and uh, you can be on a nice calm day in Banks Lake in in July and August when it's you know miserable hot weather you try to find a good shade for your boat but you'll see bait busting it looks like you know little fish jumping in the ocean and it's the walleye herding the baby kokanee right to the surface and you can run your planer board with a crankbait through that ball of bait and get a walleye almost every time it just seems odd for us in the northwest to be fishing 80 to 120 feet of water and catching fish 10 to 20 feet deep which is just not normal for the northwest but the suspended bite can be a ton of fun and it is interesting that you'll mark fish like crazy that are 60 feet deep you can do everything under the sun to put your bait down there Downriggers, leaded line, snap weights, those fish aren't eating. They're just not feeding. And when they move up to 20 feet, they'll go from 20 feet to 10 foot to hit a crankbait like a, in a heartbeat. So it's a pretty fun fishery. Interesting. So are you using like Berkeley flicker shads or those big bandit lures or Rapalas or what? Flicker shads and Rapala shad wraps have always kind of been the mainstays. There's a few other ones that kind of have a little favor once in a while. And occasionally even the old, the old school hot lips get a... Uh, day in the sun. In this scenario, since we're talking kokanee, are you fishing some sort of black and chrome pattern? It seems like disco. The brighter the color seems to be better until you wander into a mess of trout and then they just uh, wind up all of your stuff and tangle up your... They always have to hit the outside planer board and run across all of your lines. So that's just (laughs) a given. And that's the same at Roosevelt. I don't guide at Roosevelt, but I do fish it a little bit and it never fails the 
the biggest trout you've ever seen will hit the outside board and run all the way across your set, making it a 45-minute untangle, and it's just part of the gig. Oh, boy. Let's talk Fort Peck Reservoir. I remember a few years back you fished the Governor's Cup, and when you were out there trying to catch walleye in the heat of summer in northeast Montana, how were you going about it? Well, we were fishing exactly like we do here. We pulled slow death, and we caught fish. You know, I've never been to the place, and you talk about daunting. I mean, Potholes Reservoir is 28,000 acres. Fort Peck is 280,000 acres. There's more shoreline on Fort Peck Reservoir than the coastline of California. And so wandering up there for a few days pre-fishing, and, you know, you're you're making a donation, basically. You're not uh, going to compete, but we had a great time, caught a bunch of fish. And, and it was weird because the water level had changed from a traditional, this was a high water mark, to some point... I don't know, five or 10 years later, it had gone up 10 foot. And there was like a hedgerow of growth of trees, shrubs, etc., that were the old shoreline. And now they're 10 foot deep. And oh. so we caught most of our fish on the inside edge of this hedgerow, basically. And I've never seen anything like it, but uh, it worked. And some some really nice northern pike, too, and everybody here is uh, pretty concerned about the northern pike. I think they're going to be a thing here in the next few years because I don't think they can prevent that, but I don't know, one more fish to uh, target. Well, there you go. And for our listeners tuning in on KATQ out of Plentywood, Montana, got a little tactic. You can use a Fort Peck Reservoir now. All right, let's switch from reservoirs to rivers because now we're talking current. So if you're fishing the Columbia, if you're fishing the snake this time of year, how would you approach walleye catching then? So I don't fish the river a whole bunch this time of year. It's kind of a springtime thing for me, pre-spawn. And after that, I'm pretty much here on the reservoir, and I try to you know, I avoid the salmon melee of boats and so forth. But uh, a couple of the best ones on the snake, I've got a, a buddy who pulls cranks upstream below Ice Harbor Dam, and the heat of summer is his best-producing window of the whole year. So... Interesting. And I know talking like to, to Wendy Boyer down at Gorge Outfitter Supply, she swears by those big bandit lures, pulling those. Is that something that you'd recommend or do you, do you like to use some other plugs? Well, it just depends on where the fish are living. And, you know, whatever you got to do to get down to that depth is going to dictate, you know, if you got a great big crankbait to get down there, that works. Or you can snap weight them. And the 50-50 method is pretty popular in the Tri-Cities area with 50 foot of line out, a snap weight, and 50 more foot. And uh, you vary the weight to get your smaller crank down to that depth. So that's a that's another tip in, the, in your pocket. All right. So as we wrap things up here, uh, let's talk about booking a trip with you. What does a day on the water look like out here at Potholes Reservoir? Well, it's a big mixed bag of every species in the lake. We're targeting walleye. We're catching largemouth, smallmouth, perch, crappie, bluegill, an occasional trout. There's some catfish. Once in a while, you wander into a great big carp, which is a nice fight, not something you want to take home to eat. And also the bass fishing, just targeting the largemouth has been really good lately, and it's a frog bite. And when they explode on that topwater bite, it's just a hoot, so another option. All right, so if you want to go walleye or bass fishing or just catch the multiple species of fish found in Potholes Reservoir, go to rossoutdooradventures.com. That's rossoutdooradventures.com. Book a trip with Shelby or with one of his guides. You're going to have a great time. I've been out with Shelby several times, and I've always had a good time, and you will too. The website again, rossoutdooradventures.com for booking a trip with Shelby Ross. Shelby, thanks, and great to be here as your neighbor. John, always great to chat with you. Welcome to the neighborhood.
By the way, if you're looking for places to stay while you're out fishing with Shelby, I got a couple options for you. There's always Pothole State Park, literally right across the road from where I live, but my preferred place to stay is Mardon Resort. And the reason why is because they've got updated RV spaces, they've got park cottages, they have brand new two-bed, one-bath cabins, and they got tent sites too. They've also got a great boat launch if you are a guest at the resort. You can fish out of the marina, which is a ton of fun, especially with the kids. They've got a swim beach, putt-putt golf, a restaurant, a lounge, a store. They've got it all for you there at Mardon Resort. So go to mardonresort.com and book your stay there and then go fishing with Shelby Ross with Ross Outdoor Adventures. Stick around. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SeaNaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SeaNaSea.com. Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure 9 inches or longer. The fish are worth 6 8 or $10, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth 500 bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. We're talking to Mike Meesberg again at Mardon Resort at Eastern Washington's huge Potholes Reservoir. Mike, why is your resort so popular every summer? Fun in the sun, in a beautiful warm camping area, swimming area, fishing for all kinds of fish, especially topwater bass fishing. We are just scratching the surface as to why you'll want to head there this summer. Find out more at MardonResort.com. That's Mardon Resort, where the fish bite, but we don't. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. Before we go today, we've got time for one last shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with your host, John Cruz. Welcome back. I've got a little bit of a rant, and this is not the opinion of any station you're listening to. It's just my personal opinion based on my personal experience with CenturyLink who is supposed to be my phone service company. You see, I need a landline phone in my studio to conduct interviews over the phone. 
And the experience has been nothing short of horrific. It's been two weeks now. I still don't have a working phone. And that makes it really hard to do this show unless I actually bring guests in studio. All of the customer service reps are overseas. The technician that was supposed to install my phone no-showed the first time, did show up the second time. But I don't have a working phone. And I've spent about 16 hours between chats and phone calls trying to get this rectified. You literally cannot talk to a supervisor. And there's not even a local CenturyLink store to go to where I live. So I'm treading water, and it's not a whole lot of fun. And the experience has left a very sour taste in my mouth. Now, if you want an experience that's going to leave a better taste in your mouth, well, head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse store. Because the experience you're going to have with the associates there is going to be a lot more pleasant than the experience I've had with CenturyLink. They're helpful. They're friendly. Many of them are very knowledgeable when it comes to hunting and shooting and fishing. And they'll set you up with the gear you need to have success. So head on down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse store or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. And now it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. And it's about the Pacific Crest Trail that follows the Sierra Nevada and Cascade Mountain Range through California, Oregon, and Washington. There are people every year that hike the entire length of the Pacific Crest Trail. No easy feat, that's for sure. And here's your question. What is the most common jumping off place? Is it in the north, in Canada, or is it in the south, near the border of California and Mexico? If you know the answer, you know what to do. Just go to our website at northwesternoutdoors.com and shoot us an email and let us know which way is the most popular way to start this hike, on the south end or the north end, or you can do so on our Facebook page at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. If we don't have the post thread up, just send us a message. One lucky person who guesses right wins that $25 gift card we give away every week from America's Premier Outfitter. On that note, we've got to go. Here's hoping I get a phone line in the next few days, and here's hoping things go well for you in the week ahead. Until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. Outdoors.